الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رب هب لي من الصالحين وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ما نحل والد من ولد افضل من ادب حسن او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم most respected mothers and sisters in particular the mothers of the students that have come to this open day program of the madrasa some probably are there because their daughters are currently in the madrasa perhaps some have come because they intend bringing their daughters to the madrasa in the new year in any case there is a certain process that might have happened before this decision was made those who are currently in the madrasa and those who are planning for the future it definitely was not something that happened on a whim in a moment that there was a decision just out of the blue that i want to have my daughter in this place or in an institution of this nature which is apart from the mainstream schooling especially in this time and age when there is a great emphasis being placed on the circular education for girls and generally many a parent cannot imagine anything apart from that sending one's daughter to a school the mainstream school co-ed school and private schools with a christian ethos and all these kinds of things for many there is no need to even bat an eyelid it is something that is standard nobody asks any questions nobody gives it a second thought the primary focus is that my daughter needs to be very highly educated and needs to be in such a category and position that she can then be as we say standing on her own two feet she can earn her own money she can support herself and all the various other things that go along with it this type of institution has a very different outlook and it's very important that parents also understand fully the outlook of the institution so that you are making a choice based on what is the focus what is the outlook what is the mindset what is the direction of the madrasa as an institution and so that the full cooperation is possible from all parties that are engaged in this process the various parties are the pupils themselves the students the learners the teachers the administration and the parents 
These are all the parties that are involved in this process. And then on a, another level, there would be those who are assisting in terms of the logistics and other services. And in whichever way people help and assist, even by their du'as, which is the most important, and by means of their advice, their suggestions. So all this adds up together to fulfill this important role. In order to understand this fully, first we just need to step back and think within ourselves that where have we come from and where are we headed to. Many a times we get so caught up in the journey itself we get so caught up in the things on the road that where the journey began from and what is the destination that is something sometimes we lose track of or it's something that goes so far back in our minds that as if that plays no role in determining what should we be doing, how should we be going about it. So let us first just refresh this, that where have we come from? Our journey commenced in Alam-e-Arwah, where Allah Ta'ala gathered all the souls, and Allah Ta'ala Himself proclaimed, Alastu bi Rabbikum, that am I not your Rabb, your Creator, your Sustainer, your Nurturer, and all these souls in unison replied, Qalu bala, they replied, yes indeed. So that is where our journey began, from the recognition of Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala. And then this journey went through various phases, until we now came into this dunya, and then a person reaches age, and becomes accountable, becomes responsible, and the journey is now ongoing, till a person finally goes through this phase into the phase of the Qabr and then the phase of the day of Qiyamah and these are the phases where a person is now going to have to account for one's life in this world and as a result thereafter will be the final abode inshallah of Jannat and Allah forbid that somebody's abode becomes Jahannam so we have to keep in mind this whole journey and where is this journey leading us to what is our destination? And this phase that we are involved in right now must be a preparation to take us safely to the destination. And more so our children. We have that responsibility for them as well. That how can we go to Jannat safely and take our children along to Jannat as well? Now we are living in dunya like a person on the road the person's object is to reach the destination. So somebody wants to go to Makkah Sharif, so that is their destination. But en route, the person has to eat, the person has to sometimes sleep, the person has to do various other things in order to fulfill one's needs for the way. So all that will happen, but one will not lose focus of the destination. So one will take one's children along in the same direction as well. Now one child wants to run and go and look at something while the vehicle is now about to take off. The parent by force will put the child inside. The day you now run anywhere else, 
Now this is the place we have to be in because we'll miss the flight or we'll miss, miss the transport, whatever the case is. Or now that child wants to hang out of the window from the moving car. That now it's so enjoyable to have this view and to feel the wind, but he wants to hang half out of the whole window, which is a very dangerous thing. The parent won't allow it. Why? Because we want to reach the destination safely, we want to take you safely as well. So therefore you stay within the vehicle. So all these things are done. There's some eating, some drinking taking place. Sometimes one is enjoying the scenery also, but not at the expense of getting diverted from the road that is leading to the destination. Must get to the destination. So likewise, through this journey of life, we have needs, we have needs to have the basic skills of life as well. Our children need to learn how to read, how to write, how to know the basics so that they can continue with their lives. And especially our daughters, we need to have them equipped for the basics of life and especially for the role that they have to play in life. That tomorrow, they have to be the mothers of the ummah. So, how they are going to be able to fulfill this role properly, correctly, this is what we have to equip them for. So for this purpose, these institutions are there to merely help us towards that objective. Primarily, this was something that every parent should have been taking care of on their own, but this is now, in the times that we are living in, not something everybody is equipped to do, or somebody doesn't have the uh, things that are required to be doing it, so in any case, these institutions are there to play this role that how can we all reach our destination safely and on the way fulfill whatever the needs are correctly. So on the way, we have to fulfill the needs correctly. So now this daughter of ours who is tomorrow going to be a mother of the ummah, she's going to have children she is going to have to guide those children correctly. She has to take them also onto the path of Jannat. And in the process she has to take care of their needs. So how can she do this? Unfortunately nowadays, the whole object is how can she be on her own two feet to make her own money? Full stop. She must be somebody who has, who is independent. And she can make her own money. These are the things that generally have become the deciding factors. And in the process, sometimes we make them independent from deen. Then she gets married, but she's independent from the husband also. I'll do what I want to do. And sometimes she's not even married, she's independent from the parents also. I will do as I wish. I will choose who I want to get married to. This is every other day there's this problem. And parents are crying tears of blood. But we made our daughters independent. So now they are deciding who they want to get married to. And the parent there does anything to try and stop that. I'll commit suicide. That's the threat. Every other week this kind of story happens. Why? Because as these new terminologies come nowadays, say we lost the plot. We lost the plot. And it is something that now, we are supposed to be heading to Makkah Sharif, 
we decided that rather take the flight that is going to New York. But we still want to reach Makkah Sharif. But we are sitting now in the flight that is going to the West. The flight that is going into the fashions of the West. The clothing of the West. The mindset of the West. The entertainment of the West. And everything else has to do with the West. But we want to reach Makkah Sharif. We want to reach the love of Allah Ta'ala. We want to reach the love of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So we are headed towards New York and we are hoping we will reach Makkah Sharif. Which is obviously fanciful thinking. So we, Allah's Fazal, those who have made this conscious decision, that they have decided that their daughters would not be in some place which might be very detrimental to their Iman, to their Akhlaq, to their proper Islamic tarbiyah and nurturing, they have decided that they want to put their daughters in, a, in an environment of deen. This is a great step that many have taken. And often this is the case that people take this step, but in the process have to bear a lot of pressure from family, from others, that what are you doing to your daughter and you are going to destroy her future whereas that is the furthest thing from the truth choosing a deeny environment we are not talking about specifically the four walls that you are sitting in Alhamdulillah this is Allah Ta'ala's ni'mat that this institution is also focused in that direction but to make a choice to put one's daughter in a deeny environment primarily a deeny environment that is something which takes courage and it is something which sometimes people have to bear a lot of pressure to do. But Allah's Fazal, you have made that decision. You are not destroying your daughter's future. You are making her future. Inshallah. And making her future, making your future also. Because the primary thing is that if we can give our daughters the correct tarbiyah, the correct upbringing, the correct nurturing in an Islamic manner, then we have done the best service to them and to ourselves. In the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Wasallam is reported to have said that a parent cannot give a better gift to their child than min other bin Hassan. The correct Islamic etiquette, the akhlaq that goes with it, the correct uh, adab and conduct. Now this is a very a broad aspect is not something that is restricted to one or two things. It goes across the board. Adab, Adab in Hassan includes the entire deen in it. Because deen, ad-deenu kulluhu adabun. Deen in its entirety is adab. So if somebody has learned the correct adab, they'll have adab for Allah Ta'ala. So they won't be hiding from the parent and in the presence of Allah Ta'ala chatting to other boys around they won't be hiding from the parents and looking at haram because they got adab for Allah Ta'ala so the parents are not looking also they are conscious of Allah Ta'ala so this adab in Hassan is including this particular aspect as well then there's adab for parents those children who grew up in the correct manner they will have adab for their parents so we are the ones who are the beneficiaries and the ones who are benefiting out of this great uh, 
etiquette that they have learned and then everything else is included in it so the point is that Nabi Islam is saying there isn't a better gift that a parent can give to their child than Adab bin Hasan good akhlaq, good adab, good character good morals, good conduct that which Nabi Islam has taught otherwise the world the western world, they also talk of adab they also talk of etiquette they also talk of good conduct, but their good conduct and what they term as adab much of it is total behayai in our in our context, like for example if two couples meet then this person will be meeting that person's wife they'll shake hands now, we're just talking about that much only they'll shake hands and they'll say that this is the etiquette and if that person decides not to shake his friend's wife's hand then he's uncultured now this is in the western context this is adab and this is good conduct and this is etiquette and in the Islamic context context, this is total behayai it's shamelessness it's disgusting it's totally disgusting but in the western concept this is etiquette unfortunately we got swept away in so many things so many western ideals now this we only stopped at shaking hands it goes beyond that in the presence of one another both this person will be kissing that person's wife and that's etiquette now that's animal behavior in terms of deen now, I'm just highlighting this that this we can we can feel that abhorrence about it we can feel that disgust within ourselves but the same thing applies to so many other western things that have swept us the western way of dressing it has swept us but the disgust now over time has di- died off we don't feel that that disgust because we have accepted this. So now when a person like that one example, one person was walking past an ether shop. So as he passed the ether shop, now this ether shop full of ether, all these perfumes and scents and ether and oud, one one type of oud worth thousands. So this shop is filled with all this. So obviously that fragrance, it flows out, it goes out into the atmosphere, so the entire area around the shop also is all full of this fragrance so one person was passing by and as he passed by, he suddenly passed by the shop and this fragrance was filled outside as well, he just passed by but he fell unconscious he fell unconscious everybody gathered down now they're trying to see what's going on, what happened. As people gathered around, his brother happened to also see this commotion going on there, so he came to see what happened. So they told him, no, this person suddenly was walking past here and he fell unconscious. So he said, who is it? When he saw, he said, hey, this is my brother. And he says, he fell unconscious. He suddenly started thinking and he just worked out, hey, I know what happened here. So he quickly just did something from the side uh, took out something and then he came and he put it by his brother's nose and suddenly he came back and he woke up and started walking everybody was very surprised what happened here, what you did, who are you and how? what, what is this magic medicine that you had so he explained to them, no, no, nothing 
This is my brother, so I know him. And day and night he works in the sewer department. So that stench is what he is all the time, that is what he is breathing. Now he happened to pass by this other shop and this fragrance and all this scents and everything was too strong for him. So he couldn't handle this because he is breathing that stench all the time. So he collapsed. So now when I just took out this little bit of uh, this cotton wool or something I had with me and I dipped it in this dirt and filth in the gutter and I brought it close to his nose when he smelled the same thing that he's used to so now he felt comfortable and he came back to consciousness and he started walking now it sounds like a very big joke and it might be just a joke to Allah knows best but there is a moral in it that when a person becomes accustomed to the stench initially that person also who went to work in the sewer works he might have been holding his nose the whole day but in time, as they say, he got used to it. It's not that the stench went away. But his senses died off. Now, it's still stinking, but his senses died off. And as a result now, somebody else comes and they are holding their nose there. He says, what's going on? It's fine, it's comfortable, nothing wrong with it. So likewise, when a person keeps getting exposed to some stench of westernism, the stinking type of clothing that they wear, the stench of their way of life, but the person keeps getting exposed to it. That shamelessness, that nudity, the tight-fitting clothes, and that revealing outfits, and all the other kinds of things that go along with it. And then that Western mindset, that my daughter must be educated in the world, even if it is at the expense of deen, and she must be somebody who becomes independent, even if it's later on she's independent of her husband, independent of her children, independent of everybody, because she's now she must make her own life. The husband says one thing, she can say a second thing, doesn't matter. So, now the, the more we get exposed to this, then we start digesting it, we start accepting it, and then that becomes the norm. And then when we pass by the other shop, when we pass by the true teachings of deen, by the true haya that deen has taught, by the morality that deen has taught, by the loose garments that a Muslim woman should be adopting, by the haya and modesty that should be a Muslim woman's real ornaments and adornment, then suddenly we collapse. That where this came from? Because we become used to the opposite. So as a result, our daughters also get taken in the same direction and the whole society gets taken in the same direction because the Imani senses have died have been killed sl slowly but surely. The sense of Haya that was there, it gets dampened, it gets killed. The sense of simplicity gets dampened, gets killed. So as a result, things go from where to where and a person says, but what's wrong? Nothing wrong with it. It's all fine. Wearing this kind of clothes, what's wrong with it? Everybody's wearing it. And going around in all these kinds of bazaars and mixed gatherings and functions and whatever else, what's wrong with it? Everybody's doing it because that Imani sense has died to a point. 
So what is the point is, what is the requirement is, that we have to become very conscious. And Alhamdulillah, those who have made this conscious decision, that they want to put their daughters in an institution that has primarily the focus of deen. And this is what we meant earlier, when we said that we have to recognize and understand the mindset of the institution, the focus of the institution, the outlook of the institution, so that we would also be able to play the role that is required from us. So for example, in this institution, as the girls come to a certain level, then the focus is, together with Dini Talim, that what is going to prepare them for their real role in life. Tomorrow they have to be wives, they have to be mothers, they have to be the guides to their families. So what are the things that they require to play that role correctly? So therefore a good amount of focus is in that direction. As you might be well aware, those who are, whose daughters are in those grades, they are aware obviously, others might be aware as well, that in the senior grade, the last year, the madrasa days have been decreased by one day. And there is a whole list of things that they have been chalked out, a complete program has been chalked out for what is required for them to do at home. Now, is this just in order to fill some time? Maybe there were not enough teachers. No, actually the teachers have the time to be there. And there is a gap now that what do they do in that time? But this was a necessary program so that that girl who is growing up understands what is her real role in life. And she becomes accustomed to be within that home doing what the necessities of that home are. Now this is the outlook of the institution. Now the mothers are required to play the supporting role that let alone when it is that week, that day of the week when they are supposed to be doing this, now comes the holiday. But in the holiday also, this is not something for the madrasa that is being taught, that there is some marks that needs to be given and that needs to be put into the report and that's the end of the story. No, this is something for the parents to now take on from there and make sure that this program continues, whether it's holiday, whether it's some other day, but these things continue. And progressively, this becomes the routine of that girl so that by the time she is of marriageable age and the time has come for her to move into a new role in life, she is fully ready for it. Unfortunately, nowadays, people prepare their daughters for everything but marriage. They prepare their daughters for everything but motherhood. They are career women. They know how to make money. They know how to have the best fashions. They know how to drive. They know how to speak in public. They know how to do everything. But when it comes to marriage and motherhood, then they've been given a crash cause. Now suddenly a proposal has come. So for one month, two months, there's a crash cause in homemaking and the crash cause in motherhood. And that's now you carry on. So crash causes often lead to crashes. And then there's a disaster. There are many, many issues, obviously. It's a very complex situation. There are many problems from husbands. But these, these are contributing factors as well. So what the point is, that all these things, the programs of the madrasa, whatever is chalked out, it's all designed to try and assist in this regard. That how can we create the correct mindset in the girls that are growing up, the basic skills for life skills as we refer to them, the little bit of maths, 
a little bit of English and I am emphasizing the word little bit because a little bit is required. There is no great focus required on all these things. A little bit is required. That enables them to fulfill the day-to-day functions. They don't need to know too much of geometry and algebra. That is a different matter altogether. A little bit that enables them to do whatever the necessities of life are. Some little bit of other subjects are taught to them as they grow beyond the primary grades. So that is to the extent of necessity. But the real necessity is that they have their dini knowledge correct. They got the correct aqaid. They have learned what is the correct adab. And they are applying it. Now this, the supporting role from the home is very vital in this regard. That what is taught in the madrasa, this is supported at home. And this is now a joint effort which brings that end result that we are looking for. That that girl grows up with the correct adab, with the correct respect, with the correct adornment of haya. That she grows up to be somebody who has haya in her. And she understands what is the dictates of haya. She speaks with haya. She is the last one to ever communicate with a stranger that will be only out of a sheer necessity. Even if she has to express what is the problem to a doctor also, it will be with complete haya. And if there isn't any need to talk to a stranger, she will be the furthest away from there. Now this is the object, this is the purpose of this program. And this is what we are aspiring for. And this is the cooperation that parents are required to give in order to get to this end result. That the correct dini mindset is created, the correct akhlaq, the correct amal. this is what is in the life of that girl. And tomorrow when she has to now move into her next phase of life, she is equipped for that. And she can be the mother that will bring up the ghazalis and the razis of the time. So, alhamdulillah, summa alhamdulillah, those who have made this conscious decision, this is what they have made the decision for. And you need to be saluted, you need to be acknowledged and applauded that when this entire society and the entire world is rushing towards one direction, you have made this conscious decision to give deen the priority. May Allah wa ta'ala accept this decision. Allah ta'ala put barakat in it. And Allah Ta'ala make your daughters the coolness of your eyes in every sense of the word. And this can only happen when primarily there is deen in the life of the child. If there is everything else, but deen is missing, and the akhlaq is missing, which deen is, obviously deen includes all this. Akhlaq is missing. Then the people that cry first are the parents. Others also cry. They cry second, and they cry third. But the first people to cry are often the parents. And this is what we have been taught in the Quran Sharif actually. To put deen first, the du'as even Anbiya Ali Musalat Wasalam made, Rabbi Habli Minas Salihin. Ya Allah grant me pious offspring. Rabbi Habli Mil Ladunka Zurriyatan Tayyiba. These are du'as of the Quran Sharif which the Anbiya Ali Musalat Wasalam made. They are asking for offspring, but what kind of offspring? And Nabi of Allah Ta'ala, Ya Allah give me pious offspring. So without that piety, then we are making our own lives a misery. And we are also putting the child into the path of misery. And we are putting the generations that will come into the path of misery. And if there's deen, may, they may or may not be the luxuries and comforts of the world. But they will be true success. Luxuries and comforts of the world, this is whatever Allah Ta'ala blesses somebody with, comes in a halal way, alhamdulillah. Ni'mat, person will use it, make shukar. 
And if it's not there, the person will make sabr and still be happy. But if deen is missing, then even with the luxuries and comforts of the world, there will still be ongoing complaints. That this is still not enough. This is still not enough. And the thing is, that can anybody define enough? Does anybody know the definition of enough? There is no definition of enough. Enough is an elastic that you want to stretch as much as you want to stretch, even as much as after stretching it to its limit too, that too will not be enough. Because there will still be some need to stretch it beyond that. And it can't stretch any further. So there is no definition of enough. The definition of enough is only qanaat. The definition of enough, obviously not the literal definition, meaning what can really be enough. What can really be enough is qanaat, contentment. The person who's got contentment, real contentment, he's got enough. No matter what he's got, he's got enough. And the person who doesn't have contentment, no matter how much he has, he doesn't have enough. It's never enough. It's always still there's a need for more. So now if we have taught our child, our daughter, what is qanaat, then we have taught her what is enough. And she will always be happy because the person is happy with enough. If a person has enough, he's happy. So if a person has qanaat, she'll be happy. If she has some luxuries in that, she'll make shukar. If it didn't come, she'll make sabr and she'll still be happy. Otherwise, she'll always be complaining. She'll be complaining to us and tomorrow she'll be complaining about her husband and it'll carry on. Then her children, there'll be no end to it. So the point is that we have to make this our focus. That how can we inculcate deen? Alhamdulillah, in the madrasa, this is the attempt. To what extent this is successful, Allah Ta'ala knows. Allah Ta'ala make it successful and you would be perhaps also in a better position to judge because you are the one who sees your child more than those in the madrasa. So what is the conduct of your child at home? What has been the improvement in your child's way? This is something you can judge. And the real judge is Allah Ta'ala. But the effort is nevertheless made for this. The attempt is made to try and inculcate this. And the teachers make great sacrifices in order to try and inculcate this. Nobody is perfect. Nobody is faultless. There are mistakes sometimes that occur. These are acknowledged. And sometimes parents bring up these issues. They identify the mistakes. We are most grateful for that. We are helped by that. And we are always open to constructive criticism, to suggestions, to comments that help us to fulfill the role that we are supposed to play and to try and achieve the objective of making your daughters better women of the Ummah. That is objective. So if you will bring up any difficulties that you are experiencing and any lapses on our part, then inshallah you will be assisting us. But there is a way of going about it in a constructive manner. This is most welcome. And we will look into it. We will consider it. And if indeed the mistake is on our side, we will make every effort to rectify it as well. But this is a joint effort. While on the one side, alhamdulillah, the teachers go out of their way to try and fulfill what their role is, to inculcate the correct akhlaq, to inculcate the correct mannerisms, and whatever else goes along with it, at the same time, the same role is required from parents to support what the programs of the madrasa are, 
what is to be done at home, how it is to be done, the type of dressing, the type of manner and conduct, what is, what activities are engaged in at home, if in the madrasa, day and night, well as often as can be, they are being repeatedly told about the harms of the phone, the internet, and the television, and all the other things that go along with it, and if this is, this open license at home from the side of the parents, then obviously what is going to be the effect is, that the child, whatever he learns in madrasa, is all going to be watered down, or washed off completely, but the end result is going to be very, very negative. And then, we will be the ones, unfortunately, who will have to harvest that bitter fruit. Allah Ta'ala save us and protect us. So what is required is a joint effort, a cooperation between the madrasa, the parents, the students, and all the other role players, that how can we jointly make dua, beg Allah Ta'ala's help, make the correct effort, and guide our children towards that which is going to be true success, true success in dunya, and in the akhirat, and that is only in deen, bringing what Allah Ta'ala has commanded us, and the way of life of Rasulullah Sallallahu bringing this into our lives, and conducting ourselves within the limits of deen, and in this we'll fulfill our needs of dunya also, but we'll get the eternal success of akhirat. May Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala grant us all the tawfiq, wa akhiru da'awana, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.